Hi there. Welcome to our second episode. Oh, you can't even really see me. Let me move this up. There we go. <laughs> our second after hours episode. Yeah. It's a it's oh, here comes the wine. It's a Saturday. Yes, it is. It's a Saturday, and Shabbat we're just shalom. The Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> and we're saying what the what, what the, the fuck? <laughs> so here we are. Uh disclaimer, we've had a couple couple glasses hey, of wine. Yeah, drink. Couple glass. Oh wait, when you say salud, you have to say salud. Salud. And you have to drink. And you have to take a drink. Yes. Okay. Lahaim. Watch for them on the roof. You know what that means. And uh, <laughs> KT, our producer, is listening in from her home in WeHo, West LA. Idaho. So let me check in. KT, can you hear us okay? How's the sound? KT is silent. <laughs> so I'm just hoping that the sound is okay. Sounds like shit. I know. So we're just we're just gonna proceed forward like the sound is good. KT, I have my phone, so maybe you could send me a text and let me know the sound is okay. But I do love the fact that this is real time. We're figuring it out as we go. Yeah. And we're having wine together. We it are. just happens to be on camera. Yeah. So we'll just kind of pretend like you guys aren't there and we're just going to have a little chit chat. Just like therapy. Just like yeah. therapy. Yeah, okay. The flies on the wall. On the wall. And Tracy, <laughs> in my notes, I wish I could tell you, or actually I am going to tell you. <laughs> I put, just put in my notes that this doesn't even feel like a podcast. It doesn't even feel like an episode. It feels like free therapy. It yep. does. It's free therapy. Which I need at this point. We all do. And I'm yeah. I'm working through this stuff in real time. And it's unfolding in real time. And which we'll get into in a second. Tracy has probably the best memory of any human oh, yeah. I've ever met in my life. Makes me horrible to be married to. <laughs> she, I don't have the mic on her right now. But she said it makes her horrible to be married to. Which I love. I, I, I know for a fact you're amazing to be married to because I know your husband and he adores you. Yes. Anyways, so what I'm getting at is our therapy sessions that we have together have have changed my life. This podcast has really opened up windows and doors of memories and aha moments and acknowledgments that... I didn't know we're there. And what I started to say with Tracy, and then I'll do a formal intro in a second, Tracy has the most amazing memory. <laughs> and my version of PTSD and how that has functioned in my own life has been to block things out. So I have blocked out, I would say, 50% of what happened. At least 50% of what happened. So I'm so glad Tracy's here. Tracy was reminiscing with me and Nixie. Sorry. Who, Lo siento. No, it, it's, it's, it's perfect. So hang on. KT's texting us. She says, all good. <laughs> so we're all good on the sound. KT, I do have my phone right here. So let me know if we start to go south in any fashion whatsoever and, and we will fix it. So with Tracy's memory... We had to open the wine early. Yeah, I did, for sure. Nixie did. We are just, I thought we were just going to get ready for the podcast and kind of chat. Uh -huh. So Tracy started just opening you, wounds. Oh, 
No, opening cans of worms. Yeah. Cans okay. of worms. I guess they are wounds, but yeah. we've all kind of healed. So they're worms and wounds. So Tracy started sharing things that I, quite frankly, just didn't remember at mm. all, which is, again, another function. If you know anything about PTSD, you have selective memory mm-hmm. and you manage what you can right. because it's so much it's so much that it's overwhelming, right? And there's so many triggers tied in there. So I have to say, I might be the most excited about my episode with you girls <laughs> than anyone. And of course, that makes sense because it's a personal thing. I've loved all our episodes, but selfishly, it has been free therapy. <laughs> Very. I love free. We, we knew free. each other's ex-husbands. We uh, did know we each did. other's. Which ex-husbands, exactly, which uh, leads me into my next point here. The thing I was really excited about having you on for, Tracy, is that Nixie and I, we were pretty much arranged or set up with husbands, right? right? In in the the church, Mm -hmm. I have to bring out the air quotes, cult, that we were all in together. So Nixie and I met people... Married people, we did not know. Right. Right? Right. We had been alone with them, maybe never alone alone. Right. Never kissed them and had to always be guided and micromanaged and controlled and literally were told being intimate with them would be a sin. You came in with a husband. Yes. So Tracy came in with a husband. Under your watch? Yes, under me and my church husband's watch, (laughs) Uh so to speak. And I'm going to pass the mic to her in a second. But so what I want to do is I want to give a little recap of uh, what's happened on our What the Flock platform podcast. It's taking on such a life of its own. So I wanted to recap what's been happening. And it definitely was very timely to do another after hours girl to girl. Okay, bring out the wine. Wine. Wine episode. Oh, and Tracy, flash your mug. Look at her. What the flock is going on with this cup? (laughs) It's a a what the flock mug. If you want one. I'm going to use this every day. Please, thank you. I'm going to give him his gifts. (laughs) (laughs) They'll give you a ton. So if you want one on our Instagram page, I know this is a shameless plug. Just let me know you want a mug and I will send you one because that's kind of, you know, how I am. That's what I do. Okay. Oh, I didn't have my drink. Did we say salute? Yes, we did. Did We did it before. 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 Okay. Okay. To your mother. She's still learning. <laughs> I'm so not Mexican. I'm trying. We're trying. I've I'm trying. I'm trying how to be Mexican. I'm so Norwegian and so white that it's we'll just. We'll take you as that. It's, it's a problem. You don't have yes. to be anything. We love you. We love your white. With my two, we love you. With my two Latinas. Yes. <laughs> my two Latinas. Okay. So going back to what I was saying, I'm going to give a recap of of what's happened and where we where things have kind of taken a turn into to build up the segue of Tracy telling her story. But first, did you guys realize what's happening? You've watched the podcast. What I happens have. first? What quote. Goes, oh, the quote for the, the day. Quote. Quote for the day. Yes. Quote of the day. Quote of the day. Let's go. This is actually a quote. A quote. <laughs> quote by Hoyt and I. That was a combo. Which I just turned to quote. 
I like that. A quoit. It's it's a quoit. By me and Hoyt. <laughs> okay. Here's the quote of the day. Spiritual gaslighting is the process of trying to condition you to believe the problem isn't the abuse itself, but instead your reactions to their abuse, hmm. calling it crazy, sinful, or bitter. Where was that word gaslighting <laughs> like 10 what, or 15 years ago? Right. That is such a perfect definition. It is just oh my god. Gaslighting to the millionth degree. Welcome to my life. Is this quote? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Welcome to my life. Okay, so let's unpack this for a second. Where you're not allowed to respond or react uh-huh. to the abuse. But then your reaction to the abuse is what people react to. Right. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's the, I can't, I can't believe that you would respond so strongly to that. Or you might get a lucky quote that says something like, I'm sorry you feel that way. Oh, oh, okay. That's a favorite. That's a favorite. That's a gaslighting. Uh uh I'm sorry you feel that way. Uh Right. I'm sorry that hurt your feelings. But, (laughs) we all knew that, but if you were just more forgiving, Uh or if you could pray through that. If you were more spiritual. If you were more spiritual or faithful, or you weren't so prideful, or you hadn't made the choices you made, God wouldn't have to be showing you things in this way. It's not us showing you, it's God Almighty showing you. We are just his mouthpiece. This is the kind of bullshit I've been hearing. Oh, yeah. So you are not allowed to react to the hideous abuse or lack of apology or lack of acknowledgement or the lying or in my life, the stealing, the disparaging of character, the flat out story making. You can't respond to that. But yet, we are supposed to just move on and be forgiving. How convenient for them. It's super convenient. <laughs> super convenient. So they just sit back and go, wow, she's, she's just really prideful. Mm-hmm. She's just so selfish. Look what's happened to her. Look what's happened to her. I think it's because <laughs> she's following Satan. Right. I've heard that. Oh, it's just so sad. Let's pray for her. Let's pray for her. This is what's happening in my life after 12 years of finally telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I find it hilarious. <laughs> I don't even let it upset me anymore because it's like comic relief. Right. Because I know what they're going to say. I, I can almost just tell them for them. I can be like, here's your response. <laughs> and here's the scriptures. You're like, I was given that. I know this one. <laughs> right? Oh, there it is. There but, it is. But when you it's get to a certain point. Of... Yeah. <laughs> right, right. But when you get to a certain point, you can set that boundary to say, Mm-mm, nope, 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 nope. I'm not going to go there with you anymore. You can. The problem is when, for me, my my situation is very unique. Because the abuse is still happening. Right. Mm-hmm. Because now I am paying on someone else's debt every month. Ugh. 
right? Right. Mm-hmm. So I've moved on, and believe it or not, I've forgiven because I actually feel sorry for them. Right. There's a a very genuine and not a oh karma's a bitch kind of sorry, but I I feel for them. I even feel for the person that's still stealing from me. It's a I've forgiven them. The problem is that I feel sad for them because they don't get to evolve. Right. They don't get to have the aha moments. They don't get to wake up and have this clarity. Right. They don't get to go, wow, this is why this has happened in my life. Wow, this is why my wife left me. Right. There's no aha moments because, fr- quite frankly, they're too, uh, too afraid to do that. But there's a cowardness. There's an arrogance. There's a, that's too scary for them right. mm-hmm. to go, wow, this is why this has happened. While the rest of us get to live full, graceful, evolved, empowering lives. I think it's like an addiction. Oh, Hold on. Take it. Take the mic. It's like an addiction. It's it's You have to come to terms. And that is really difficult for people, you know, because it's it's um, you're admitting so many things and your life has to change so much. And I know that. That that is definitely why people don't leave because there's a big cost. Like you've invested and invested yourself in you. It, it isn't you know you. You've invested. I invested about a million dollars. Yeah, you invest yeah. your money, your time, your belief your system. Soul. Yeah, everything. And so to pull away is is there's a huge sense of loss, and it's your community. You lose your community, you lose your friends, you lose what you considered family, you lose so much. There's a huge loss, but there is a life after that loss because then you have so much freedom and you can live an authentic life, but you you can't get to that point because it is literally such, it's such a painful process after you've completely dove in and that is all you do. Right. That, that's what you're all about. So I, I get it. I, I mean, that was... That was what was difficult for me. You know, 13 years in, um, investing yourself, and then you have to pull away from that, and you don't know another life. You have to build your life again. And Mm -hmm. it's really, really difficult. And I I get that for people in any cult. And that, you know, and that's that's the hard part. Right. I I 100% agree with you. And I'm going to tag team on that before I trap. I pass the, literally, I'm not passing the ball. I'll be passing the mic. <laughs> we have we have one mic here. So before I pass the mic, our new Shore mic, by the way, they should sponsor us. I should reach out to them. It is a great mic. Okay, Shore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to pass the ball slash mic to Tracy in a second. And I want to tag team on that because thinking through what's happened, you know, with me personally in the last couple of months, and I thought, you know, we have um, Matthew Wolpen, who did a couple episodes for us, who was the one of the main whistleblowers. Do you guys remember the Henry Crate letter? Yes. Oh, that was it for Changed me. my life. Changed your life. They had probably about 50% of the membership of the ICOC left, right? Matthew Wolpen, <laughs> he was the one that really... Um, kind of leaked Henry Crete's letter in the beginning. So we did two episodes with him. And I'm not sure if his will air before or after this. I was going to say, what? I didn't know about that. Yeah. Because that letter. Um, that one changed my life. 
That one literally had me running to the parking lot in Orange County, away from elders. Yeah. With people knocking on my window to come out of my car. Of course, because they were chasing people down. And it literally had me feeling validated, but had such a breakdown. I actually went to the emergency room twice for breakdowns. That letter was the start of my life. Right. Oh, I'm so glad you shared that. Okay, so, and of course, Matthew gets into that more when we have Matthew on. We do two episodes with him. So this letter and then all of the, you know, the fallout that happened um, was very life-changing. Believe it or not, I had, let me think back. I had pretty much left at that point. I definitely knew everything. officially left. I hadn't officially left, but I knew everything in the letter already right. because I had lived it. Right. So nothing he said to me was shocking. Right. It was like, oh, confirmation, validation. But, but you were still in because I asked. I was, yes, I was still in, <laughs> but I wasn't in leadership and I wasn't attending everything okay. at that point. I was actually in, in Florida when that happened. Okay, so the, this letter, the it's famously known, you can look it up, the Henry Crate letter that happened, uh, Matthew Wolpen leaked it. But during this time, Matthew was going through his own aha moment, you know, um, discovery process in his own soul and in his own mind. But when we had him on to do his tapings for his episode, I thought it was interesting because we were talking about how the ICOC now says that they've changed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they say they've changed. Air quotes are coming out. And now Kit McKean, as we know, went on to do a splinter, from what I've heard, even more destructive cult. I have friends in there. Me too. Me too. I actually took them off of my Facebook recently. I did too. Because it was too disturbing. And I got tired of the scriptures being used as daggers <laughs> on Facebook to condemn the rest of us. So I took them off my Facebook. But... um. <clears throat> So the ICC is definitely a, a, a splinter, more, I would say, aggressive, destructive cult because Kip was pushed out for most parts of the ICOC, right? But what Matthew shared, even within the ICOC that says they've changed and that we're different, we've changed, we don't follow that same discipleship hierarchy of you know, being too invasive and micromanaging people's lives, Sorry. we've we've changed. You haven't. And here's why you haven't. <laughs> and Matthew brought this up and I thought it was such a great point. Not only from what I've experienced in my own life and the refusal to acknowledge, apologize, or even sit down with me with a Bible. I have asked 62 leaders and members via email, via phone call, so that I could basically have proof that I've tried to sit down with people. And this was many years ago when this started. I asked them, please sit down with me with a Bible so that I can understand why lying and stealing and disparaging character and blatant stories that didn't happen, why that's okay. Do they not claim to be the only true church on the planet? Do they not claim to be made full of disciples and the rest of us are going to hell in a handbasket? But yet we're the ones going, hold on, you guys are liars. 
and thieves? Will you explain this to us? But they can't. Right. And that's what I'm getting at. They've refused to get with me. So if you've refused to get with me, what does that tell you? Right. It's denial and it's protection. It's denial and it's protection. But it proves my point. If you've got nothing to hide and done nothing wrong, why won't you sit down with me on your turf with your Bible under your rules? Mm -hmm. Huh? Because you can't. You can't. Because then you're caught. Well, you can't also because there's an accountability that comes with that. I have gotten, I, this is something personally I've done on the side of helping to get with people that have been in uh, these circumstances. Mm-hmm. I've sought out for years. I was only in the church from the time I was 21 to 33. I sought out, I can't even count how many people to apologize. I got one. I've written to also people that you've known yeah. to say, um, and it, I would say 1% came back. But the thing is, they can't because they have to be able to hold what they have left. My opinion, we can talk about that later, is they hang on for shell reasons. They they hang on because they need to keep people employed who have been there their whole lives. Right. They have to keep property up there. Right. That's still in their 501C. They have to keep that all in line. I don't want to, you know, their retirement. They've got to keep all of that together in some form. So maybe they step down a bit. But, I, you know, I, I always laugh because they love to shame people, mm-hmm. but they only apologize once. And if you didn't get it that one time, <laughs> I'm so sorry that you weren't there that one day. Right, right. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you said that. And here's <laughs> why. When we did Matthew's episode, he closed with such a great kind of comment and aha moment for me. He said, you know, it'd be so different if the leadership from the pulpit said, Oh, my God. Yeah, I said, oh, my God, which is also considered a sin. You can't say that. Oh, (laughs) my God. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. We have messed up. We have done X, Y, and Z, and we apologize. Right. And here's what we, and and, and not just because they're forced to, but humbly, sincerely, we messed up. Here's what we've done. Here's how we're changing Here's what we're working on. Here's what we're sorry for. They have never done that. They have never done that on a, what I would say, overview. Maybe small groups have done it that I'm not aware of. Well, I I can tell you later. Okay. (laughs) Maybe they have. I'm just saying, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt because I'm not everywhere and I don't know all. But the general consensus of ex-members of this group, which there are about 1.2 million of, which I'll break down in a second. That hasn't happened. What remains is the arrogance, the protection, the, oh, you just need to forgive, which is Couldn't have been that bad. Which is so passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. Right. It just couldn't have been that bad. And you're the problem still. You just need to be more forgiving. Heaven forbid we call out their sin. Right. We call out their abuse, right? Then we become the bitter crazy, won't forgive person. So that's okay. And that's okay if you have those secret moments. I was once with this couple. It was right when the letter came out. 
which I stood at a fax machine at my ex-husband's job with another person from the church. As it came out, we tried to hurry up before it could be traced to anyone else so that we could (laughs) read it. Later on, I met somebody that I was in the full-time staff with that you know. Yeah. And he said, and we sat there solemnly one day in San Luis Obispo. He said, you know what? Here's the basic bottom line. We've called out other people. They called us out. We didn't like it. Oh, they said we didn't like it? Yes. And he, of course, it's privately. And this was, a, I believe, an Easter celebration. And I thought, that's exactly it. You got called out once. You didn't like it, so you stopped it. But there was no way for us who had been accused of stuff to ever stop anything. Right. Okay, that is a great point. First of all, the changes that they claimed to make were made because they were forced to. Right. Because of this letter. Had it not been for that letter, and thank you, Matthew, yes, for leaking that for all of our email. sanity. Yeah, I'll give you Matthew's email. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Had it not been leaked and gotten out, this group would be so much worse than it is right now. But they were forced to change. And so now they go, oh, but we've changed. You didn't change on your own accord. You changed because you were forced to. I think that's pretty clear. I think it's clear, but I also think that it's, it was so, when it came out, was so mocked. And we tried explain to- Explain that. What do you we mean? We tried to explain to people it wasn't as bad as it seemed. I was in a group, I won't name where, Why I was sitting there in a group of leaders. Yeah. I, I don't even know why I was there. I was having a nervous breakdown and told people I didn't want to live. <laughs> but they're like, why don't you come lead something? And so an elder of that group- stood up in front of the group and read that same Henry Crete letter as from coming from Satan. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. I had had enough and I ran. Again, I do nothing graceful. So I tripped over four (laughs) chairs. I was postpartum. So there was milk coming everywhere. I locked myself in a car. And people from that group were banging on my window, including this elder. Those elders called me later to apologize for how I felt, not for the reenactment that that letter was being read from Satan's dialect. I mean, you have to think about that. How arrogant. Yes. And I and again, I do nothing graceful. I, it was bad. And I remember telling these people, it was a group of elders and leaders at that point calling from their car. Of course, I was on speakerphone. In LA. And I said, yes. And I said, please don't ever call me again. I be- And I was begging. I had moved to an address I thought they couldn't trace. Oh, God. And they were still saying, please come lead this charity group out here. And I said, did you hear me? I just said, I don't believe in Jesus. <laughs> you Maybe- ruined that for me. Yeah, I no longer believe I in Jesus. I don't want to live. Right. And yet you need to tell me you're sorry for how I perceived it, which is the ultimate slap in the face. Okay, let's camp on that for a second. When they have apologized, which is rare, and because they're forced to, it's the, I'm sorry you felt that way. It's never a real apology. I know Nixie wants to, (laughs) I can see. No, that's exactly what it is. It's almost like, I'm sorry that you perceived yeah, it this way that you, yeah, you perceived it this way. And and so there's no validation. There's no healing. There's no, yeah. there's no love, you know? Yeah. And I mean, for me, you know, I, I didn't work for the church and I know that shell and Tracy worked for the church, but I was in leadership too. And I know that there were things that 
you know, when that Henry Crete letter came out, I was already like, things are not the way I thought they were. And I was part of the church for 13 years. Yeah. And for me, that was like, so I, it was everything that I was thinking, but I was afraid to say, because then you're really going to get it if you say it. Right. And you're real. And, and, you know, it's like, you're convinced that those, those thoughts that your own thoughts are, are not okay. False. Yeah. They're false. And if you think them and they're not aligned, then they're then, sinful. Then they're sinful. And, and it's like, you don't, it, that's why they call it it's not, I don't know if it was an intentional brainwashing, but it's a, it's a consistent way Insidious. of thinking. Yeah. It, it's like everybody starts thinking that way and you're convinced, everybody's convinced that this is the way we should all align our, our mentality on. And so when that Henry Cree, who happened to be higher up in the church, that was my, that was it. That, right. that was it. And it doesn't matter if. I mean, I feel like I constantly asked for validation. I sat, I sat in church for a whole year, afraid to leave. And then when I heard that Henry Crete letter, I was like, "I'm out! I'm out! Perfect!" <laughs> you know, like yeah, you know, it's, it's my coming out. It's coming from high above, like possibly under Jesus. I mean, I don't know. It seems you know because you're so convinced that the people up yeah. there are getting words from Jesus, and <laughs> and so I was like, "Okay, that's it. I'm done." Hanging out at this pew, I, I, it was, it was my out. I was out. I'm out. You know, and it was such a blessing in disguise. And I mean, I mean, it's so much. It was so much bigger. I mean, it for people who don't understand the, you know, the thinking. Like a lot of people are like, oh, how can you get sucked into this? It, it, you know, if you listen to the the episode where Shell and I are talking, it's like you want to do good. You you want to to have a purpose where you're making a difference in the world and you want to follow God and you want to follow God. You want to love God. This is, you know, I grew up Catholic and I thought, you know, I wasn't close enough. There were things going on in my life. I mean, I was only 21 or 22, you know, of course shit's going on in your life, right? you know, but you, you want the answers right away. And I felt, Oh, this is the answer. Yeah. It's you in, you know, when I had that structure and I fell in line with things and when, and I knew, I knew as I started to mature that it wasn't the right thing. It wasn't right. the right thing for my life. I was getting sucked into something that that was not working for my life. You know, in my marriage, you know, it was making me stay in a marriage that was abusive. And I was... Your church it, husband. Yeah, it was my church husband. And he was... Con- <laughs> we all had church husbands. I you didn't know. have one. Well, you I, ended Tracy up didn't one. have one well, because no. she came in with one. Well, yeah, but then he became a church husband. He That's right. true. Because he fell in line with the That's same true. kind of thinking. And, you know, we're all thinking the same way. And God forbid a woman has an a, epi- thought. a thought that <laughs> isn't submissive, you know, that we, you know, that we don't want to be intimate with somebody who's abusing you. God forbid that. Right. You know, uh, I think that that to me was my out. Like I was like, finally somebody else. And I didn't feel crazy. I didn't feel afraid because my mind was not my mind anymore. It was sucked into. Right. I didn't have a mind. mind. You, You couldn't, it had to be like somebody else's. And there is a, a huge distortion and a huge distortion of the scriptures that says you have to be like somebody else. Uh 
you have to be like Jesus, or there's one scripture that they use, Gehazi, if I'm using correctly, that when you're with somebody, you have to transform into somebody else. Uh-huh. I was not okay to be that. I came into the church. I had been married at, at 18. I couldn't have worn a more shirt that said, cult material, come get me. I need love. I okay, need wait, 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 wait. Let, let me pause for a second. Pause for that. Well, not I'm not going to pause, so to speak, but I want to <laughs> set this up for Tracy because I'm going to have Tracy tell her story now in, in kind of um, context here in full form. Tracy came in. How old were you when you came in? 21. So she was 21. Married. Married already. So the difference between Tracy's story and Nixie and I's story is that, like I mentioned earlier, we were set up in the group, mm-hmm. in the cult. Tracy came in with a husband. So Tracy- I didn't leave with one. <laughs> oh, she just said she didn't leave with one. So I'm going to have her explain that. So Tracy, what I want you to do is give your story or share your story with how you got in, what kind of happened when you were in it, and then how you got out, okay? And then after that, we're going to take a pause because we're having such a good time with Tracy. <laughs> and there's so much here. Like, I, I'm on page one of my notes. I've got 15. So I won't. we won't subtract, subject everybody to that. But I'm going to have Tracy tell her story. And then we'll take a pause. And we'll come back and we'll do part two. Because there's just too much good, you know, juicy meat here to pass by. Okay, so I'm literally going to pass you the mic. And then... Like I said, just share how you got in, share your age, what happened, and then how you got out. Very easy. I was a hot mess. (laughs) I moved out at 18. The day I turned 18 to get away from an abusive family. Okay. I married into an interracial marriage. I got married three days after I graduated from high school to get away from my family. Wow. So that I could literally not have someone come over and pull me out of the house. I had no intent of staying married. I was married by a BB King impersonator. A what? A BB King impersonator in Vegas. BB King. Yes. You were married in Vegas. Yes. What? Yes. Oh my! How do I not know? So this amazing. Stuff? You just told me <laughs> things weren't working out. Things weren't working out. I met a woman at a bus stop. <laughs> And she said, come to my church. I said, okay. It was down the street from me. Can you share the initials of the woman that met you? Uh, P.S. And I had a nightmare with P.S. Uh, We were friends until the very end. Filipino. No. I will tell you later. Okay, tell me later. I know who it is. This person had a young son. Okay. But I needed friends my age. Yeah. So then I meet this hot woman in a red Mustang. (laughs) With bright red lipstick, always fixing her hair. It was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. I remember her hair. Massive. You. What? It was you. I didn't meet you. No, but we met pretty much after that because you oh, converted yes. me. Yes, yes, yes. Did you oh. that Mustang? I've never seen it. Oh, she had a hot <laughs> red did. Mustang. A- and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have white friends that have nice cars. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought at the time, I thought this would be fabulous so when I leave my husband, he will have friends when I leave. <laughs> and so I went through the Bible study and they're like, no, you're married. You have to stay. I was like, oh, oh, okay. You have to stay with your husband. Well, I didn't know okay. that. <laughs> I didn't know that. I had really, I honestly, I skipped down the wedding aisle. I'd never been up that early. Elvis was busy. So that's why we got BB King. <laughs> so I converted under this one here. Under me. 
Okay, I'm I'll leave that there. Yeah. Oh, God. So from the time 21 to 33, what happens? I was one of the fastest people in a married couple to yeah. be put on staff. So within about a month, I was in the full-time ministry. Uh, I remember. And it was at the height of everything we did weird. Yeah. Wait, that's a great point. Because there was definitely peaking points of weirdness and um, excessive control and aggressiveness and abuse. Well, one of the things people, and I, I've met with people from, it's been my, my personal hobby over the last 15 years is to meet with people that have come out of the church. Cult. Uh, church, cults, elite. Church. <laughs> Especially now I run a synagogue. So things are much different. But here it is all these years later, I'm still meeting with people that need to come to me to have a safe place to talk. A safe place. That's the great point. And yeah. I'm almost unrecognizable now because at the time when I met you and until the time I left the cult, I was 111 pounds. You were basically anorexic. I was anorexic and had bulimia for about 20 years. Right. You were the, skin and bones. The stress of the church, I couldn't swallow food. Right. I remember. Didn't like food, couldn't swallow food. And it was in a, a bad place. And people think, and I, I get very frustrated because people think, Christianity, how bad could it have been? And then I say, well, Jim Jones. <laughs> you know, it's so easy to judge people yeah. who have been in a sex cult or Scientology and a spaceship. The, the techniques that I've learned, honestly, from Steve, what's his last name? Hassan. Hassan. Hassan that's Dr. What you say. Steve Hassan. Dr. We Steve love you. Hassan. And, yes. and a friend who had left when I left gave me the information, saved my life. Because I had gone, when I was in the cult the last three years, I sought counseling to get out. Okay. And the first <clears throat> psychologist I went to said he had no training. He said, well, unless someone's being murdered or I can call 911 on, just leave. And he didn't understand how hard that was. He didn't understand that it's a prison in your own brain. It is a prison. And on top of that, I had given up everything quickly. Yeah. So my my income, everything I had was based on the church at the time. Right. And so when I tell people this all the time, they can't believe it. People are always amazed at the synagogue now. I haven't missed service. I think I've missed two services in three years. Right. And I kind of giggle and I do tell them. I was the president. I probably should tell them. Um, I was in a cult where to to not go to service oh, was it. a sin. Well, let me tell you. No, it was such an act. I had to fool my husband at the time. I had to fool him. Hey, I have a fever. Mm-hmm. I don't feel well. I would go heat up with a blow dryer. Right. A thermometer so that he, but that wasn't good enough. Then he had to call people. He had to call people. Right. Tracy doesn't feel well. Yeah, she's running a fever. I don't think she can push it through today. For the service. For the service. Just to miss service. Well, and I had people that would show up at my house. If I well, we did anything. that. Yeah. And, and even though at the time I worked full time, I counseled 10 people. Yeah. Um, in the church, in the church, yeah. you were only supposed to, if you weren't full-time only supposed to do two. But now that I went back into full-time work, I was still given 10. Right. And it was interesting because at that point to say in the nineties and you and I would know this, we had to print out a form 
Yeah. And that form had every hour of the day planned for us that we had to give an account for. Right. We were trained then. Every minute. To give an account and give this form and teach the people that we were over. Right. So it was every hour of our life. Where were you at? I had a breakdown one time and my ex-husband and I fled to my mom's house, which you know has to be bad if I go to my mom's house. Because <laughs> you fled from there. Because right. I fled from there. I was right. the only safe when that's place. that's the safe place, it's My bad. discipler or boss. Okay, back up for a second. A discipler, I've said this in other episodes, we all had disciplers. Yes. It was a pyramid scheme, hierarchy, completely trickled down. Everybody had a handler. Right. Discipler that you had to check in with, get advice from. They knew where you were at all the time. They knew your sense. Didn't know they where I was sense. at. Okay. Called at my mom's house. No. And said, you have 30 minutes to get back here. So the one place I thought we had escaped to, we could. <clears throat> so that taught me there's nowhere to go. Right. And when every moment of your life, and I get so frustrated with people saying, well, if it's a Christian cult, it really can't be that bad. And I try to tell them it's the same as... When I watch a Scientology thing or a Nixium, my husband sits there and goes, how does that happen? I go, piece of cake. I see how that happened. <laughs> we, know. we use the same techniques. It's the same formula. It's the same formula of love bombing, accountability. You can't live without us. What's our tagline? Same party, different costume. And it's it's that kind of thing where I remember thinking, why can't I just be like these other people out there? Well, now I can't leave because it's how I pay and how I eat. Yes. Grand, I wasn't eating you were, much. you were now a paid leader, correct? Yes. Correct. Like and, myself. Um, at that, I, I left home because the yelling and the screaming and other things were going on. Yeah. I relived it right in here. Mm. I had women yell at me every day. You were being rebuked. That's what I was the being word rebuked. they used. I was Spiritually being rebuked. Spiritually rebuked. Where just about a couple of years ago, I'm okay with picking up my phone. You would say only up to two years ago were you okay with Ooh, picking not up even your phone? Okay, uh, maybe on a good time, I would say two years ago. When the phone rang, I was so used to getting in trouble, I couldn't pick up my phone. Right. Even as a grown woman running a synagogue, I have four children. I'm not even that religion anymore. I would see the phone ring and I would know I was going to get in trouble. Right. I yelled at and I couldn't deal with that anymore. Right. So that kind of dynamic takes your complete self-autonomy away. Right. It wipes it out. You have no decisions to make for yourself. I was sharing before that we had a leader. Let's just call her CJ. We'll call her CJ. Does Let's that call her it? CJ for this we moment. We actually all know CJ. I moved from a, uh, I moved, around. <laughs> I moved from a multicultural area to Orange County where it was very not cultural. <laughs> And I very understand white. I am a light. <laughs> I understand I am a light complected Latina. I was married to someone that was Japanese. Well, he's still Japanese. He's still, <laughs> he's still Japanese. He's doing great. Um, <laughs> left the cult. But, so here coming, I never fit. I was too small chested. Of course, I was anorexic. So they always mock my body on a daily basis. I even had this CJ drop me off at an emergency room because they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Didn't she also tell you you needed a nose job? I needed a nose job. They collected money for my clothes because I didn't want to spend the kind of things. So you talk about like the money of it. This person's first sat out and put out a calendar first in front of all of their leaders and said, this year, let's decide who's going to get pregnant. Right. 
I remember those meetings. And this person said, I'm going to get pregnant this year. I had been married for seven years at that point. Right. And it's still the audacity is I'm going to get pregnant this year. You can't because you need to run my ministry when I'm busy. Right. Although I treat you like dirt and we can't get along. Right. This was also the same person where I was giving probably about 25% of what I made at the time. Um, we needed to collect money because she really liked <clears throat> Tiffany's. Aha. Uh-huh. And so our group, again, I have zero money. 25% of it's going to the church. She wanted a gift from Tiffany. So we all collected let, money. Let me interject. So when you worked for the full-time ministry, like Tracy and I did, you got a very small income, but then you had to give at least. They well, said, I was out by then. Oh, you were out. I was out by then, but still making very little because I was going back into the working world. Right. And 25% of anybody's income is a lot. But but my point is, whether you were in the ministry or out of the ministry, whatever you made went back to the church. Uh-huh. Right. And this right. person came in and we were told, we were you should be so grateful for this couple, but you're going to have to pay his child support. What? Yes. So we paid, and you know I have a good memory, we paid $2,000 a month as a, as a group in our area to pay for his child support from his previous marriage. Oh, CJ's new husband's Correct. child support. Correct. Okay. So go along. We did all of these things saying, I, we should get to know each other well. Write down your favorite labels. Honestly, I'd only been to Target. <laughs> <laughs> you mean fashion labels. Right. Good what thought. kind of colognes are your favorites? What's perfume is for your favorites? So I made up stuff because I didn't know. Other than a sample in a magazine, I'd never seen it. Yeah. So we collect for this Tiffany's present and she comes back in tears. Oh, no. Because we hadn't given enough. <laughs> this is so for Tiffany's. It's so sick. I don't even think at that point I have now because I'm a, I've come a long way. <laughs> um. And I've walked into a store. I've never bought anything from there now that I think yeah. about it. I had never even walked inside a Tiffany's. But yeah. here is somebody in the full-time ministry demanding a gift from Tiffany's. If you really loved her and if were you committed. Really, right. And blo- oh, yeah. So when I got pregnant and I didn't have permission to get pregnant. Right. Neither did I. I got yelled at. So, so many of the people that I met said, oh, I, I've gone, I went through that too. And it created so many problems between them, people that you know, because mm-hmm. um, I didn't get permission to get pregnant. So my friend said, this is what we're going to do to help you not get yelled at right now. We're going to tell this person during service so that they're in front of people. Yeah. And they can't yell at you. Yeah. And then I got pregnant and I said, hey, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and actually she said, I didn't know we had talked about it. Mm. Huh. So again, when you're talking about the Henry Crete letter, I have always been a pain in the ass. So I went to people above these people and said, hey, we have an issue. Hey, we have an issue. And nobody would listen. I was the troublemaker. I was the one locking myself in my Prideful, Prideful, jealous. Jealous, and at that point, my faithless. my ex-husband had wanted to go back into the ministry and there were maybe promises of that. We were a hot commodity, not because of us, but because he's Asian. Yeah. And I'm not. So it was, ooh, interracial couple. How can we use them? Yeah. You know, we're going to use him for his Japanese. He didn't even speak Japanese. 
We barely speak <laughs> English. You know? <laughs> so you have all these moments of doing stuff. And so it's it's at that point where you think, what's going to happen to me next? Right, right. And what happens to me next is they turn your spouse against you. And you become the bad one. No, that does happen. That does happen. And so I went to a counselor saying, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. What are we going to do? Yeah. And it was very clear for me at that point that in order for me to leave, I was going to have to leave, which was later my 16-year marriage, 17-year relationship. I was going to have to leave that to leave. To leave the marriage. To, to leave, leave the, the church. Group. Right. Just to leave the church. I was going to have to, I was going to sacrifice that because there was no way my ex-husband <clears throat> was going to ever side with me. Right. So therefore, I knew that's what that meant. And I had right. to sit with that for a long time to think, what is that going to mean? Right. This happens a lot. And um, I have been really looking into a lot of cults, well, you know. Hold on, hold on. Passing and the mic. I, I feel like it's the same strategy with all of them, it you is. know. And even if this particular church isn't the same or they're saying they're not the same, I think it's really important to talk about the the strategies that many organizations take to draw people in and control them. Well, they also and wipe it, out the first light. We, well, yeah, because they wipe out the people that have had the problems. The only mm-hmm. people that I have found that are left are people that were came after me mm-hmm. who didn't experience the crazy house exorcist. That's a whole other story that you and I went through. Right. During those times, that whole level has been wiped out or things that I kept from people to know. You know, I met a woman who I'm not a met a woman, I a woman I converted. And she said, well, if I'm in a cult and I said, I was told to marry you off to so and so. And I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And the shock. And I was told to get money from you while you were living in a garage. So it's those kind of moments that you have to have with people to say, I respect where you're at now. You can do your own thing, but you may not erase what happened. Exactly, because right. it's left a, a lot of damage. <clears throat> and it's funny that you guys talk about CJ, because it's little, and I didn't tell you this. Small world. Small world, because CJ had a serious interest in my ex-husband. I, remember, <laughs> I know that. Oh, you okay. should have let her have him. Oh, Come on. man, <laughs> should I? Like, she was on him. <laughs> Every time we went to events, she was like, hi, you know, and, and um, because the dynamic and the you know how the the church is set up it's not for it's for the church's best interest not for not about love they're like well she is the same race as him yeah so you guys like you know him and i were not meant to be even though he was interested in me they tried so hard and she was she's a very aggressive person and so you know, she let's, really let, wanted. Sorry, let's back up. She's uh, arrogant as fuck. Oh yeah, she come on. Let's just say and it. Even, arrogant even then, as fuck. Even then, even then, she's sappy, she, arrogant. Here's how, here's how to tell a person who's really sorry. Somebody reaches out to you and says, "I want to apologize. I'm so sorry. I'm hurting the same way." But when you have people. I had a sight out of mind, even though I was in your life for many years. Those are the people that I love to go for later yeah. on. 
because those are the people that won't accept responsibility. Mm -hmm. I, you know what? I, I love to learn something new about myself. I tell my kids all the time, I apologize. I want to be the number one example to apologize because people and mess humility. up. But not even that. It's 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 just humanity. It's, mm-hmm. right. it's humanity to say I've messed up in close relationships. Mm-hmm. When you lack the ability to do that, mm-hmm. I remember this person in particular, a man in a meeting said, I don't like the way you're treating my wife and all the women. And we all stood there, our mouth was dropped open. He later came back and apologized to the group. Because that's how he felt. Because because he had been gotten in trouble. Mm. And here we were grown adults. And so when people tell me, you know, Christianity and cults, it's not as bad as the Scientologists or the Nexium group. I say it's more dangerous because people find comfort in Jesus. And people think Jesus will protect them. And it's insidious. Right. Yeah. That they, they think this can't happen now. And I want to tell my friends, it is and it is happening now. Right. Mm. Right. So. No, I agree. I agree. And it's funny because... I haven't seen Tracy for what twenty years? No, over that, my over friend. that. Oh my god, probably more than twenty so years. So she shows at my door thirty years today. So thirty. today, people, and this is a reunion. Yes, of, you have to say I didn't talk much. It's a you reunion didn't. of crazy, but she has an amazing memory, and she was recalling something. And at that time, when Tracy was coming in, I had already been not working for the church, but in you know, and you know, in leadership, and she was telling me about a situation where, I mean, basically I made her feel bad and I, I hurt her. And from when we were uh, all in the cult. Oh yeah. When so we were all in the cult. Yeah, yeah. When we were all in the cult and I didn't remember cause I blocked all that shit out. I was you like, remembered a little bit. I, I remember when details. she started cause she has an amazing memory. She had little details. I'm like, Oh, I think I remember that. But I think back in the day, I probably, <laughs> when I was supposed to be humble and like Jesus, I probably, probably would have been more defensive as of now where I know. Um, and I think that they probably feel the same way because they work for the church. There's a lot of things that we did right. that we're not proud of. And I really mm. wanted to know, I'm like, tell me more. What did I do? You know? And it gave me an opportunity to apologize to her, even though she wasn't looking for apology. She was like making humor out of it. But still, I, I know that she's not the only one, you know? And and I think that this, you know, it's times like this where I'm like, okay, I am so sorry when I was in this cult that I wronged you because mm-hmm. I didn't really understand what I was a part of. And I, and I was sucked into something that was not healthy in my life. And it was very healing, even though she wasn't looking for that. It was healing. It was healing because I was like, I, I totally forgot until she mentioned it to me. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, I think I remember that. And it really just reminded me of like that, that thinking that I had that I was I was completely brainwashed and I thought I was doing the right thing. Absolutely. You know? and, and, and I know that absolutely. you understand that. I know I you weren't trying to make me feel bad. We were laughing about it. But I was like there. I'm sure that not only in this situation and what we've gone through, but in other situations, people are sitting with so much guilt and. Honestly, it was, even though I didn't realize I was looking for that healing, I feel like it's really important if you have those opportunities to just apologize and say, you know what, that was just bullshit on my side. You know, like, don't I don't you think it's validation for what you've gone through too. Well, yeah, because sure. at the same time, I wasn't looking for an apology. And I didn't feel like you were But either. But at the same time, when people tell me, oh, you did this, or when I recognize really mm-hmm. bad situations, I've made it the last 
I would say at least 12 years, my journey to look for people online to apologize for. I might know your first name, half of your last name, and I'll find you if I know I've said something because I learn a lot about myself. Right. And that Tracy right. needs to teach her four children that it's okay to mess up, embrace it. Don't be married to your opinions when someone gives you new information. Right. right and right. I want to be able to show because I think I've led a more beautiful, honest life knowing that I can deal with that. Mm-hmm. And when my kids tell me things, it's not, you know, I mean, I'm probably if it's my teenager, so I might take it with a grain of salt. But in general, mm-hmm. I want to know where I've come from as a person because I look at the Tracy in her 20s that was in her in the cult, and I look at myself now, and I am glad I'm not the same person. Mm-hmm. Right. I am glad, and I will never go back to that, and I would, I hope to inspire people not only to leave, but we're carrying this heavy balloon around of pain. Any cult you've been to, you've been into, you're carrying this, your scars are heavy. Why is my scar heavy? It's because you've done stuff that nobody understands. Yes. And that's why helping to survive, talking to survivors has helped me. Because even when I've gone to psychologists that didn't understand, that dismissed it, I'm like, no, this is bad. And they couldn't understand. Now I have a therapist who writes things down. Let me Google that, which is great. But unless you have those survivors to contact to, to validate and say, no, that happened. Yes. Mm-hmm. And hopefully my good memory can help people to say that did happen. Mm-hmm. And now I can move on to something greater. So people don't fall into that because mm-hmm. religion and believing in God and different things is, can be beautiful, but not under mind control. That's true. Perfectly said. Perfectly said, Tracy. Okay. So what we're going to do guys, and I'm so glad that we plan this to be two episodes mm-hmm. <laughs> because I would be really upset right now if we had to end right there, but we're not. So we're going to take a couple minute break here. But what I wanted to um, tag on to or piggyback what Tracy was just saying was that remember the analogy that we talked about when we did our first after hours episode? I saw the butterfly that. one. The butterfly mm-hmm. one. We I did. Saw that. We did after hours. Yes. I'm so glad you saw it. We t- <laughs> we used the analogy or the metaphor of I guess it's an analogy of the abused child mm. that grows up and goes, hold up, this is messed up. Mm-hmm. I was abused. Here's what happened to me, mom. Here's what happened to me, dad, maybe. Mm-hmm. Here's who uncle Uncle Bob abused me. Mm-hmm. And then the mom or the parent or the adult in charge goes, oh, it wasn't that bad. Right. Are your, I think your memories are off. I would have seen that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it like I that. I don't remember it like that. You're right. being dramatic. Oh, uh, you're crazy. You are crazy. You're trying Mm -hmm. to stir up trouble. Are you accusing me of something? I would have stopped that. Right. Mm -hmm. I would have never let that happen. That's the kind of comments I've gotten when I've brought up very abusive situations. You two. Same leaders. Same leaders. Exact same leaders. Orange County elders. You know, all sorts of leaders. Oh, I, 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 you, you are mistaken. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That didn't happen. Right. Mm -hmm. It happened. I-C-O-C. It happened. Mm -hmm. So maybe if you start apologizing and Mm -hmm. acknowledging, people can actually heal. Because even if they have moved on and they're different, it doesn't mean... No, they say they're different. Well, that's what I'm saying. If they they say say they're different, 
It, but here, but if you are different, yeah. you'd want to apologize. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yes. It's like you can't sweep that under your under the rug, not when you're claiming like to be like Jesus. You know, like you you have to you have to right those wrongs, you know, and it's just like, I was glad, even though you're not holding, you were, you know, you were saving humor and stuff like you remember I this, you. Always you know, and I was like, for me, I, I, there, I, there was nothing defensive. I was like, tell me what I did, because I know being in leadership, I did a lot of things that I thought were right. But now I realize it was they were inhumane and they yes. were not and they were hurtful. But you know and what? I, and here's I, the thing: yeah. you had left, and I know you had left. I know I could bring it up. Yeah. Had you been in the church, I couldn't have brought it up. And I on the way down here, as I'm going through my little list, mm-hmm. right? As that small man, I thought, I know I can bring that up. Mm-hmm. I know I can bring that up because it also validates. Your experience, right? Of right. what we had been trained to do. I was like, we had been trained I? to yeah. to be how to act, how to mm-hmm. behave. Mm-hmm. But see, that's the point, and I got to wrap it up here. Wrap it up because we're going to go into part two. And I we'll see ke- KT's little message there. I know. A long time ago, She's I like, know. Shut up. K- KT's like, stop <laughs> sorry, sorry. talking. <laughs> part two. Part two. Okay. Here's here's the to wrap up what you guys are saying. If you really have changed. You want to apologize. You want to hear. You want to hear. You want to evolve. You want to have compassion. You feel it. You can't stop someone from apologizing Mm -hmm. when they feel they've hurt you. That's why people like us sought people out without being told to, to apologize, Mm -hmm. to acknowledge most of the, not all, most of the people, because there's been a few standouts most of the people in the ICOC will not take responsibility. Right. People like my ex say, I've done nothing wrong. <laughs> I have never lied. I have never done this. And you should say, Oy vey. oh, we know you have. We know you have. Anyways, my point is when you've really changed, you want to apologize. You don't continue gaslighting people. Right. Love that word. Gaslighting. So let's <laughs> let's end on that quote, okay? Because how perfect is this quote after everything we've talked about? You might see it or listen to it in a little bit different light. Okay. Spiritual gaslighting is the process of trying to condition you to believe the problem isn't the abuse itself, but instead your reactions to their abuse, calling it crazy, sinful, or bitter. So how about this? How about we just stop gaslighting people Mm -hmm. in the spiritual world? Let's start there so that everyone can begin to heal. Remember, everyone, guard your hearts and your minds. Nobody else but you should have control of these. We'll see you next time. Mm